Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arseholics. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, please hit the thumbs up button if you enjoy the episode and please share um, us, please share the Arseholics with any other Arsenal fans that you think would enjoy listening to us. How's it going, lads? Are we well? Not really, I guess. Not really, no, but it's becoming quite a regular occurrence. This, This is not a new feeling, put it that way, this season. It's all relative, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What a what a week! What a week! And what an end to the week! Yeah, well, not a great start to our weekend, I guess. But um, yeah. yeah, so one nil defeat at home to Everton tonight. Um, we're recording pretty much straight after the game. Um, let's just have a chat about. Well, we'll just have a chat about the game in general, really. I think it wasn't a massively incident-packed game. Obviously, it wasn't a very good performance. But just in terms of how Artis has set up the team, obviously, we've got um, the semi-final. Um, a little bit of a gap until that game, but still a semi-final on the horizon. Um, so there were some changes. Um, obviously, we were struggling with in terms of our forwards. So Eddie and Ketia started up front with Aubameyang and Lacazette missing. Um, Thomas Partey came back into the team. Uh, partnering Danny Ceballos in midfield and Granit Xhaka continued at left back and um, Rob Holding and Pablo Marie making up our centre-back pairing and Leno was back in the team because obviously Matt Ryan started the other day as well Um, and Pepe, Pepe got a start as well so yeah there were a few changes but overall a pretty strong team but a pretty bad performance and another bad Premier League result especially at home, another defeat Thoughts? Mm. <laughs> I, I didn't have any issue with the team when I saw it, to be honest. Given the injuries and the limitations that we had, I think the only real thing you potentially could argue about was should Eddie have started. But, you know, he is the third-choice striker. Yeah, the other options, I guess, were Martinelli up front, who I don't think Arteta's ever played up front on his own, or Balogun, who hasn't played a minute of Premier League football, I don't think. So you can't blame him for the squad. I mean, it, it is what it is. We have injuries. Every, like three or four first-team players are out. People are playing out of position like Jacka. So, yeah, I didn't really have an issue with the squad. Did you guys? Uh, I, I No, I agree, to be honest. And in flat terms, I think who he picked, what he picked, I think, I think it almost one of the things that it picked itself. You know the team to to yeah. some degree, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I don't, I don't think the the selection seemed to be the issue, um, but whatever he, it, whatever approach that we seem to go out with, um, okay, you know, I I think we, we to to some extent, although we you know lost the game, it didn't, it wasn't like we were pounded and. As well, I'm sure we'll get onto it. Was a it was an awful goal to concede, but it was just it just it just created a boring spectacle. And um, you know, I think going forward, again, can't blame the selection, but the guys on the pitch they just looked so uninspiring, and we just yeah. looked the really rubbish. Was we? Just awful. I thought yeah. we just the minute we played it from the back four into the midfield, I thought Partey and Sabios. Had another dreadful game. Both of them were like rubbish, um, and then everyone in front of them weren't. They weren't that much better. I thought Saka, Smith Rowe, Pepe was live, probably the liveliest out of the front four. But apart from that, like it was just no real pattern of how we want to attack. No real pattern of how we want to build up play. No real idea of how to create a chance. You know, we know with Eddie, the only real way we're going to get him into the game is by putting crosses into the box and there are a few moments I thought at the start where he was getting into a few good positions but yeah just so ineffective as both him as a striker but also the build-up play in general I would have liked to as I said in the pre-show I would have liked to have seen Martelli start front um a because like uh if you're saying, you know, he hasn't played him up front before for, for a while, then it would have been good to just test him out there. Um, and also, 
like he brings so much energy as well to the team performance. So every time he's played, he seems to have raised energy of players around him as well. And so if he had played, that might have made a difference to everyone else behind him. Um, and yeah, like like I said, that front, yeah, it wasn't, yeah, no energy, just, you know, it wasn't fun to watch. And it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does on on Thursday night, like what 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 he'll go with is now. Surely, you know, if Eddie had bagged a couple of goals, maybe that's what Arteta was hoping for. Then you know he might have been a sure in for Thursday to start up as well. And after after what that they four collectively did today, maybe he's definitely thinking about what to do going forward for next for well, Thursday's game. I think that's probably what I think he played Eddie Eddie because yeah he did get the goal in mm. the end, and I think. I, I think he was like, well, I have to give him a chance. You can't really, you can't really argue too much against him saying he doesn't. De- what I think he, you can't say he doesn't deserve it, but at the same time, you, you can. I can. I, I agree with you, Nero. Like with hindsight, maybe Martinelli would have been a better option. Yeah, but like it, with the Martinelli situation, it's really interesting because I, I wonder whether with, with Arteta, does a manager who sometimes I, I feel that the, the selections that he he makes are indicative of a manager who feels like he's got a long time in his job and feels like he can do some things to try and plan for a, a more longer term view. So for example, he's really taking his time over Martinelli. That seems to be quite clear. Um, and he's still like kind of managing Martinelli as a kind of, you know, slowly easing him in, slowly easing him in, slowly easing him in, which is fine. Maybe that's the best thing for Martinelli, but it's interesting because it doesn't, indicate a great deal of urgency on Arteta himself's side. Um, at the same time, I agree, like maybe it's because Nketiah scored against Fulham and he felt that he had to play him today as a result of that. Um, maybe that was, he felt that was the right thing to do. But I don't think, Nira, I, I think I can't see him playing Martinelli up front against Villarreal on Thursday you know, without playing him up front today, you know, I, I, I think he'll, I think the intention was to do whatever he did today, win, lose or draw. Really, he was going to do the same thing on Thursday. I, I can't see him playing Martinelli, and I think that worries me for Thursday. <clears throat> yeah, that's a big worry. Um, and then also, it obviously persisted with uh, Mari as well as head of Gabriel, which is another sort of, I think, interesting selection. I think. Maybe after Gabriel's mistakes, sort of recently, I think he probably feels he's got more trust in sort of Mari, um, and I think, I think that was a, I think that was a very important sort of selection choice as well from him. So I think again, he probably sees Mari as his number one man for the rest of the season on that that side of the defense. God, it's interesting just on the centre backs, right? We've gone from a position where maybe in December or January, where we thought actually we've got four centre backs here who we can pretty much trust, that actually now. Like there's, you could argue that all all four of them actually, Louise is out, but Gabriel, Mari, Holding, they've all got mistakes in them. I think, or just they all don't look the finished top level centre back at this level. I think there's something missing from all of them. Yeah, agree with that. Agree with that. I think what worried me on on just complete reflection when you know, when the final whistle went and kind of just thought about the game, I saw two teams that were very even, like in terms of quality. Um, and the fact of the matter is when they put the t- league table up and they showed Everton and Arsenal, you know, al- almost neck and neck at Everton just above Arsenal. When I looked at all the teams above that, I, I can't say that Arsenal are a better side than any of those teams above us. And that's damning because... We're ninth, and it's one thing saying, "Yeah, we're ninth, and you know we should be doing better." Yeah, we'd all love for us to be doing better, but like, uh, geez, we had two very evenly matched sides today. Why do you sound surprised at that, Rog? Uh, I think I think it's because you know, again, maybe Mize is like last, you know, the last time when we when we were reflecting on this, it felt like it was slowly getting to the point where where it wasn't a case where we could make excuses for games and maybe this is what it is. And maybe this is just cementing that. I think uh, what, what what I'm surprised about a little bit is we seem to sit here a lot and we talk about some of our players like they're actually really quite good players. Like we, we, we do do that. We yeah. we talk about, you know, we'll go through the whole team. We can, we can name loads of 
positions where we th- I think we talk like we've got quite good players. And then you look at it today and you're like, actually no like this is this is our level right now and the players that are out on that pitch the ones that even the ones that have been injured they've all contributed to this including the manager actually including the manager again i think we're all really you know we're really supportive of the manager overall i think as as far as fan groups go i think we've all been very supportive of arteta but you know overall the whole project players coaches you know manager whatever this is really indicative of our level right now what we saw out there. And that I think is really humbling. And I think it's really starting to hit me that, wow, um, you know, do we accept this? If we think it's okay, then this is, then, then this is it. And Mm. if we want more, what, what exactly is it that we expect to happen? That's going to give us more. No, I was going to say like on the players side, I, I think you're right because I think for so long we had players who were really bad, like players like Mustafi, players like Glasnach, Maybe Socrates, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on him. The players who were like, you can see these players are just not good players. We got rid of those players. And now what we're left with is players who aren't, you know, you look at players like Holding, players like Jacker, players like Chambers. They're not bad players, but they're not great players either. And the reason they're not great players is because they they just, throughout the game, they'll do these odd things like Marie was doing today, like Jacker was doing, like even like Leno has been doing where you just think, would an elite defender, would an elite goalkeeper, would an elite midfielder make those decisions? Those little marginal things that... And there's we've got quite a few players at that level who are just... I don't think we'll ever be top, top players, and we're relying on them consistently, like, overperforming. Players are holding, when you think, we need holding to be elite. He's never going to be elite, but we need him to overperform to come close to being elite for us to do well. I think we get sort of blindsided in tinted glasses when we have like performances like we did against like Slavia Prague, when we can see how good we can be on the day. And then we expect that sort of, you know, going forward, which is in, I think rightfully we should expect that kind of performance all the time, but I don't know why they can't deliver consistently. Um, and yeah, and sort of funny enough, so I had this sort of conversation with our sort of other non-Arsenal group of mates earlier and I was sort of saying that Arsenal, I think as a squad, we've, I think we've got a good squad, but the difference between our first 11 and second 11, there's not much difference. And it's not, I don't think that's a good thing. So with Man City, they've got a great first 11. And I, and I don't think there's a big gap between their first 11 and second 11, but in a good way. Whereas for us, we've got a lot of good to average sort of players in those positions. Like, you know, you've got Bellerino Chambers on the right, yeah, our four centre backs—they can—they're all interchangeable, but that's because none of them are outstanding, or at the same time, none of them are terrible either. And we've sort of got that across the whole squad, so that we don't have terrible players or massively amazing players either. So we're we're in a bit of a lull, I think, at the moment, where we've got loads of average to good players. It's only left back, isn't it, that you can really say we have yeah. an outstanding left back and, and then the gap for everything else is, is such yeah. a... So even 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 Cam, you know, that's central, we know where Odegaard, Swift Row, there's low, everywhere else is interchangeable with good to average players. I mean, you touched on left back there, Raj. Um, so obviously, I mean, in terms of their goal, I know there were a few, there were a few incidents and there was obviously the um, offside incident in the first half, but just in terms of their goal... Um, <laughs> So we we when I think I think that's the fourth game that Xhaka started at left back. I could be wrong, um, and I think after the first time Arteta tried it, we talked about it and we were saying, you know, do you think it's an experiment? Do you think it's something that Arteta will persist with? And I was I didn't think he would, to be fair. Um, and I gave the reason that I just I said, you know, as soon as he comes up against anyone half decent, he's going to get exposed. Um, so mm. bit of a t- I told you so moment, but yeah, I told you. So. <laughs> um, I mean, it's true, right? Like. I don't think he's faced anyone of any sort of half quality, half decent level. Richarlison, what did he do to get past him? Like you tell me, I mean, was it anything that, um, you know, did he do anything that special or did he do anything that, you know, did he completely, you know, was it step overs? Was it, you know, a nice bit of school? Was it, you know, it wasn't, it was just literally not the ball past him and, well, you know, to the side of him and Jack has never had that recovery can't turn you know you can't turn and yeah he has got no recovery was, on the turn that was his 
only mistaken. No, sorry, I'm not saying that's not the, that's not the point, though, is it? Uh, but, that's not the point, yeah, though, is it? Because this is the thing. Now that's been exposed. Well, Tierney's for made, Thursday. like mistakes as well, right? As he must have made. So you're comparing Tierney and Xhaka as left backs. I'm not comparing. I'm not comparing at all. But I'm saying every every player in every position makes sort of mistakes <laughs> once in a while. If 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 the keeper never made a mistake, what? Scoring okay, goal, so we won't, we won't be talking about this. What? Okay, yeah, but that cross could have. Is it cross that Leno? Obviously, the mistake lies with Leno. I'm not denying that. We'll get, we'll get on to that, right? And talking about Leno, but I'm just talking well, I'm about if he had recovered or the, he shot it wide, we wouldn't be analysing the. Yeah, but that's okay. So that's like that's like saying if take over and over again, right? But when you say if, but the fact is it was a goal, right? So we're going to analyse it. Like, uh, you know, I, I mean, we can say if to a lot of things and then therefore what do we discuss? But I mean, I guess the reason I'm picking up on it and again, the reason I'm picking on Xhaka is because he's not been tested these last three, four games, if you include this one, apart from probably that moment. There's not really been anyone running at him. There's not been situations where, you know, there's been like 2v1 on him where they're, you know, whether, yeah, where there's a runner past him and he's not sure which man to go. Does he go to the board? Does he go for the runner? Um, he's not been left exposed very often, you know. And I think the, the the three games that he played in previously, like I said, the quality against him hasn't been there where he's had to be tested. And the first time he was against a half-decent team, against a good player like Richarlison, uh, it's been completely exposed. And I think that's a worry going into Thursday because now does Arteta look at that and think, uh, this is this is going to be very risky um, against obviously a decent, a good team in Villarreal, and they're going to obviously identify that as a weak point in our team. Does that mean that, for example, Cedric has to come back into the team when he's not really been playing um, in that? He obviously hasn't played right left back for the last few games. There was always this risk, right? When you play Jacker at left back, when you play any midfielder or central midfielder out of position in a defensive role, there's always a risk they're going to get exposed, right? But I think the reason we do that is because of the lack of alternatives. The only alternative there is playing Cedric. And we played Cedric there and we looked equally as bad. So it's not like... I think Arteta knows... We, we, look, we, look, is, we, looked, we looked bad going forward, I would say, in terms of... We, we talked about this, right? He's a right footer on the left-hand side. It limits us going yeah, forward. Exactly. All that. Um, you know, yeah. So I agree with that. But I don't... I don't know. Defensively, does, would you not say that Cedric is a more... Is a safer option than Jacker? I think probably, but like, you know, you would I think Cedric is definitely a better fullback, even if he plays on the left than mm. Jacker is gonna be. Um but I think, you know, Cedric has probably been beaten even as playing as a right back or even as playing as a left back, he's probably been beaten by a a winger. And um uh, and I guess it kind of links to Nero's point, although yeah, you know, in in the sense that we wouldn't even really be talking about this if it wasn't like a, a massive error by the keeper. But I do take your point, Mize. I think at the end of the day, it almost the way it look, the way it feels like for me is that with with Shaka, there's no doubt about it. You know that if a winger's going to take him on, the winger's probably going <laughs> to probably going to win. Yeah. Mm. You, you you know that. So the system needs to be robust enough to never expose him. Like it's it's got to be robust enough to never expose him, and so it's more of I think a criticism on the system and the way that whatever you know whatever protection we had in place in Jacker for Jacker it it just fell apart because you can't you know you can't it's not fair on Jacker to criticize it and I know you're not criticizing him no, in that way criticizing him. Yeah, yeah exactly exactly it's like it's just more that like what do you expect if you're going to expose him to a right a winger he's going to get beaten mm-hmm. and. You know, we it's that was a failing from a system perspective. Actually, the bigger loss here is when we move Jacker out to left back, we lose him in central midfield, and we end up playing Ceballos. I think that's probably over the last three or four games we've seen that Partey and Ceballos doesn't really seem well. I don't say doesn't Partey get a bit more freedom though when Ceballos? Yeah, Partey does give it from. I just mm. Partey isn't playing too well at the moment either. Yeah, is Partey having freedom a good thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I thought the game was so uninfluential. Yeah. Um, didn't really do anything of note. Um, it just seemed very crowded. I don't know if that was a deliberate tactic by Everton to just crowd out that midfield. But um, we've looked our best when Jacka and Partey have played together, I think. Um, yeah. And, you know, that left-back issue is, is a huge problem because whoever you play there, you're taking a risk with something, right? You either lose a bit on the attack or you lose a bit on the defence. Um, and maybe you're right, Mahis. Maybe like you take the risk and say, actually, I'd rather just keep it a bit tighter and avoid situations like today and then just hope 
Cedric can do something going forward. I'm just, uh, I'm just really worried if we. And this is this is the concern I raised like three games ago. It's, I, I said this when 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 I think it was after the Prague game when we went through and I said you know who, I don't know who Villarreal's danger men are, um, but they must be a half decent team to get to the semi-finals. They've got that Moreno guy who scored twenty odd goals. I don't even know he plays up front. I would assume, but. I mean, I, th- the worry that I have is if there's a game where f- from from the first minute the ball goes out to that right, their right hand side, our left, and whoever's on that side just starts bombing at Xhaka, it's just gonna, it's gonna like it could be a catastrophe. Like we could lose the, we could potentially lose the tie against Villarreal in the first half if Xhaka yeah. gets exposed or he's left exposed. And I know that you know, I know it's an obvious thing to say, and I know Arteta's gonna like you said, Raj. You know, the the structure needs to prevent that from happening, but. It, you know, when you come come up against more decent teams, you know it's a big it, risk to take. It's a yeah. massive risk, and that's what I was a bit. You know, that's why I'm sort of, uh, you know, focusing on that that point uh, about what happened leading up to the goal with Richarlison. Obviously, it wasn't Xhaka's fault for the goal. I'm not saying that, but it's just that. Mm. Yeah, he, if he gets exposed, it could be really, really bad for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the goal, yeah, obviously, uh, absolute howler from Leno. Um, I saw some calls on Twitter that um, Matt Ryan should start on Thursday. Do you guys think that's a bit extreme? Do you think, or do you think Leno's actually in pretty bad form at the moment? If you look at the last sort of, I don't know, 10 games or so, there's been a few dodgy incidents, I think. But this is the dodgiest by far. Like, I think, yeah, I I, I think if it wasn't for today, like, I I still don't really think that you can criticise him too much over the season. I think... As far as howlers go, you know, it's one thing. If a player shoots at goal and it's a tame shot and the keeper lets it in, some of those are goalkeeping howlers. When a player doesn't even mean to score and it goes in, that's a serious goalkeeping howler, Mm. right? Richarlison didn't even shoot. He didn't shoot. He crossed the ball. Yeah. Right, that 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 that's that's really that's an own goal. That's like a really really that that's terrible. So this was a howler. But as far as I, I don't like us getting into the. For me, on on ability, Leno is still our best keeper. He's still a he's still a, a, an excellent keeper, and I think that almost dropping him, you you risk kind of affecting the confidence of your best quality keeper. That being said. Do you want to create an environment where you have keepers competing? And if you have that environment, surely Ryan should say, hey, hello, shouldn't I get a go now? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I think, well, you say that Leno is our best keeper. And I know what you mean when you say that, because you look at technical ability, although we haven't really seen Ryan play, but like you'd probably say he is on paper, like the better keeper. But at the moment, he's not playing like the better keeper. He, I don't think he's in good form. I think he's, you know, he's made a number of errors since that Wolves game where he ran out and did he get sent off that game when he got sent so, off? Yeah, he did. Um, he did. There have been just a couple of things where I'm just like, why is Leno let that in? What well, Leno should be saving that. Leno should be doing better there. Yeah, he's still making a few good saves here and there. But if you're not going to play Matt Ryan now, when are you going to play him? But when does he? When does he? When is he ever going to deserve a chance? And you know, Ryan. I know it's been two games, but yeah, you know, he's number two for a reason. We bought him, not just if Leno got injured, but if and when Leno hit a really bad run of form. Um, I think it's a fair shot. It's it's a big call to do it before, right before the biggest game of the season. But mm. you know, if it's a meritocracy and you play based on if you're in form, I think Ryan deserves a shot. But I can't see Arteta dropping Leno though for that game. It's too big of a game to to drop your goalkeeper i think what what's the worst that's gonna happen yeah 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 no uh, yeah just like just like obviously with goalkeeper it's not just about shot shot saving it's more about you know how he communicates with the players around him and especially looks like arteta's got his you know favorite center backs and he if he's going for Xhaka right Xhaka left back and whoever on the right it looks like you know it's all about communication and you know stuff with the goalies as well and especially ryan has only played two games with those defense defenders it's a big game to just throw him in, into that kind of game. I think he keep, might keep his own worry. He might worry. Arteta might worry just about more and more instability. You know, he might worry about the fact that you know we've got Ober injured, we've got Lacquer injured, we've had a lot of change. Xhaka not playing, and and he might just think I've got to keep as many kind of 
cogs in place as I possibly yeah. can. And based on that, he may, can, he may, you know, not want to pull the trigger and he may want to keep Leno. But no, I think the meritocracy point is a good question, Aaron. And my, my pref, you know, my point, my preference is that we keep a meritocracy. I like football clubs that have a meritocracy. I, I prefer that. Um, I wonder though, if the injuries will stop him doing that. Yeah. It's also the type of game as well. If, if, if the next game was another Premier League game, then then it's worth risking it. Um, but obviously, yeah, the way it is, the next game is sort of like a cup final for us and we have to win, so it's can't take any risks. So I think for that purpose, he'll keep, uh, for that reason, he'll keep Leno. If we play well against Villarreal, let's just say we play really well against Villarreal on Thursday and get a good result. What, what, if anything, will that indicate to you guys about the character of the team. And I don't necessarily mean that in a positive way. Um, where I'm going with this is that we drew we drew against Fulham at home and we just lost to Everton. To be honest, we were rubbish in both games. And let's just say if we put on a performance against Villarreal, yay, awesome, excellent. But will you? What, how will you reflect on these games? Just gone. If, if we do turn it on against Villarreal, it's clear that there's a motivational problem, I think. Mm. Especially if we play a very similar starting in Everton mm. um, because like there were there were moments today when I'm just like some of these players are walking around the pitch mm. um, like even um, there was a point where I thought Eddie was just walking around I thought like dude this is your like your one Good shot <laughs> run around yeah. like a madman and like make things happen but he was just so passive as well and he was waiting for things to happen and even players who usually try and make things happen like I thought Saka was pretty quiet today. Um, Smith Rowe, I thought, was pretty quiet. And when players like that are not making things happen, you just wonder, like, is there a is there a resignation that the that the league is yeah pretty much done? I mean, I kind of feel like that, that way as a fan. Um, I mean, uh, I think you know, like in previous seasons where we've obviously been at the other end. Well, not the other end, but towards the top of the table we've been generally fighting for top four i know that the last few years we haven't um and you see towards the end of the season the teams around eighth ninth tenth you know that mid-table region they're just you know neither here nor there in terms of their results right and performances yeah. are we not just in that position yeah. we're just one of those teams basically and that's i agree you know, we're yeah. used to always having something to play for towards the end of the yeah. season in the league um and this season we don't it's all about the Europa and it's just we're just yeah kind of what's the word ambling towards our uh, ambling towards the end of the the league campaign which I'm not saying I'm not saying is no it's good that's a fair point I think Aaron said this a few weeks ago and and like I think it's more and more true as every week goes on I think if we were in the stadium if the fans were in the stadium look we're not we're not the famous cop end we're not like you know we don't have this famous atmosphere but still I think if the Arsenal fans were in the stadium, the players and manager don't get away with this week after week after week. There's a lot of pressure. Like either what would have happened by now is the players would be bucking up every game. Because at the moment, at the moment, genuinely, it just looks like they're going, oh, Premier League, okay, cool. Let's just get out of the way, get out of the way, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like they wouldn't, that would not happen if if the fans are in the stadium. So either the players switch on in that way or the manager doesn't survive. It's one of those two things. Hmm. And also, another thing is, a lot of these players know, because of the injuries, that they're going to start every week hmm. because it's, there's yeah. no one else to really come in. Yeah. That's why I was really disappointed with Eddie. I was like, come on, just run around. You're the, probably the only player in this team whose place isn't guaranteed. So, if I thought he was making a few runs but, in the first but, half and he was, you know, he was, he was, he was all right. 20 minutes. He, he was around, but yeah. After second half, I just thought he was, he was pretty quiet. Um, but they look at like again it's a personnel thing. Like Martinelli comes on and he probably you know almost scored. Mm. He wasn't on the pitch for that long, and he like straight away he comes on. He showed energy, so it c- could be a personnel thing as well. Like every time I've I haven't seen one game where Martinelli's just walking around. It's true, or just yeah, yeah, like, like he's true. always running. Like even that even today's one the chance. It was almost like a lost lost cause, but he still managed to you know get around the defender and you know. Little do a little toe poke, so he he fights for everything. He runs around. So if he was if he had started, and I, I really do somehow want him to find this, you know, Arteta to find a spot for him in the starting lineup on Thursday. Whenever he plays, he's full of energy, and that is infectious. And the rest of the guys, 
sort of you know mm. feel feel that and do the same. I think I think as fans we all want Martinelli to start Nirez for all the reasons that you said, right? Like he's like you know yeah he's he's and it's kind of like Alexis Sanchez. Obviously, I'm not saying he's at the level of Alexis Sanchez, but that energy yeah. that he transmits to the rest of the team, which to be fair, he's not really doing that in the sense that the rest of the team aren't kind of picking up on that energy, but he does bring that, you know, and he does run around a lot. He does press. Um, he's always looking for opportunities to score. So, and he's an exciting player to watch. And I completely agree with you. I hope he starts on Thursday, but I just don't see Arteta doing it. I just think he's going to go conservative again. Um, and like, like you guys Eddie, said, Eddie. Yeah, I think he will. I think it was a trial run today, wasn't it? For, for that spot. If it was a, the trial run didn't work out very well, didn't it? Yeah. No, no, it didn't. But uh, unless unless Aubameyang's back, you know, I don't know what the... I don't think you... I don't know. They said maybe. I'm not sure exactly what the situation is, but... I think he might... Yeah, he might be close. Yeah. Um, but either way, he didn't impress. Like, he should have... He had one chance, didn't he? I think I remember one chance in the first time. It was like a, uh, a shot on the turn, which got blocked. When he spun. Yeah. I can't remember any others. Um, but even today's game, like, just looking at the stats, like... Until that last shot from Marcelli, when he had two shots at two shots on goal all game at home, bad. and I it's not like a one-off. Every, I feel like every week I'm talking about how many shots on target that we're having on goal. Like it's a tough, it's a it's, tough it's a league, in it, and, and like, I think we're just not we're not keeping up. It's a tough league, right? Like in in both Euro- European competitions, we have two English clubs still in both. It's it's like there's a possibility we're going to end up a possibility we'll end up with a Champions League final of two English teams and a Europa League final of two English teams. It is a massively competitive league. We're just not up to the races at the moment, you know. We're, we're we're just not like so. All these guys, you know, whether they're auditioning for a role, whether they are young talents that like are you know that, that are going to be good in the future, whatever, whatever it is. Every game, you've got to deliver. You've got to take your chances. You've got to do something. You've got to like it, the margins are so small, and. And geez, like, you know, you're going to have the odd decision that's going to go against you like we did today. I know we haven't talked about it, but that was like a, you know, a a crucial decision at nil-nil. But yeah, stuff like that will happen. And it's happening every game, every game, every game, every game. And I think we are where we are right now. And it's a reflection on, on, it's an accurate reflection, in my opinion. Um, And like, I really hope they realise that and they don't sit in those, in the dressing room all going, well, it's not our fault. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this season, I think you look at the teams above us, teams like Everton, Spurs. I know West Ham are flying, but like I would probably put them in the same box as us at the moment. That's like pretty crazy to say that right now. Um, and Liverpool this season, like, you know, in another season, we could maybe finish a point or two above Spurs, but we're never going to, like, at this what? point, I don't see us ever. Like finishing way above Spurs. Why? Why do? You, um, sorry, Aaron. I'm just really. I was quite surprised what you just said. Why do you put us in the same box as Liverpool and West Ham? I mean, you said, you said Spurs and Everton. Even them. To well, I think. Put it this way. Like, I think if we had, if a couple of things had gone our way this season, like there've been like maybe six to seven, six to eight points, where I think you can say we've been unlucky in games this season. Um, and I think in an average season, you get that variance of about six to eight points, where I think maybe we, we have those six extra points, we have those eight extra points, and that puts us around that level. But what you, I don't think is we're, we're never going to... I, I, I disagree, mate. Uh, I, I mean, the only reason I say I disagree is, well, I mean, it's a big if. Like, I'm not sure which instance or, you know, which matches you're referring to. But would you not just say over the course of the season, we've just been crap, basically. Like, we've been shit. And and that is the reason why we are night where we die. Yeah, I have. I think we have been pretty crap, but and West Ham have been very very good, which is why they're okay. But t- take out West Ham because I actually think West Ham. I think yeah, West Ham was probably a bad example, right? But I think Spurs this season, Liverpool this season, Everton this season. I see all four teams having roughly the same sort of crap season. Is my point here? In that I think at best, yeah, we are sixth, the sixth best team in this country. That's the point. At best, maybe. Yeah. But I think, I think but like... All the teams above um, us are just scoring, like, just look at the table now, like, they're all scoring goals and that's what we're not doing at the moment. Like, yeah, we can we can cry about, you know, our you know, dodgy decision here and there, but ultimately that's not why we lost the game. It's because we're not creating chances and we're not scoring. Well, I think part of the problem as well is like you can look at the other teams above us and I think those teams, 
they genuinely, honestly, like I think fans of those teams look at it and go, oh, if a few if a few other things went our way, do you know what? We could have actually been even higher. Mm. You know, I think they look at it in the same way that we do. We, we're isolating incidents in games, which if they went our way, we could have been better. Look, let, let's just take an example. We played West Ham at the beginning of the year, right? And we beat them 2-1, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah? In that game, I don't know if you remember, we got a very, very lucky decision where Gabriel wasn't given handball and it should have been, arguably, it could have been a penalty to... Um, or it was either a penalty to them or it basically shouldn't have been a go- goal again, uh, for us. There was an incident in that game where we got very lucky. My point is... You know, it's easy for us to forget. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's easy for us to forget some of the things that perhaps went our way. And some of those teams above us, genuinely, genuinely, they could look at the season in the same way that we have and say, oh, if things went our way, we could be doing better. You know, so... Mm, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I know what you mean. I, I think the point I was trying to make is we are still quite a way off top five, top six. And I think... Oh yeah. Even if those like marginal things have gone for us, we're not any better than Spurs this season. Who I think Spurs have been really bad this season as well. Yeah. So that kind of just gives you that context. I think we've been so bad that even if all the little things have gone for us, we're still like at best on par with a really bad Tottenham team. Hmm. Yeah. Who just sacked yeah. the manager. Yeah. Hmm. Agree with that. I mean, like we we came into this period, um, and we sort of thought, oh, this is going to be the bit which perhaps makes us kind of make some ground. We've got a fairly easy run in, and I, I think we're just showing our colours in some ways, aren't we? Worse, like yeah. we're getting worse. We exactly, exactly, exactly. Mm. Um, Raj, you touched on the disallowed uh, the sorry, disallowed penalty, the penalty that was, I guess, given and then wasn't given. I mean, just on the actual foul, I know it was not given for offside, which we'll come in or come on to, but the the foul that they actually reviewed and agreed that it was a penalty. Did you? I mean, it looked very very soft to me. And Sabias has got he's got a, he's got a rep for you know ex- exaggerating, which is uh, putting it putting it lightly. But yeah, it looked like he barely touched him, and he just. Yeah, I didn't think it was a penalty. No, I don't think it was if that had been given against us, I would have been fuming. Is it? Is it really similar to the Gabriel one that we conceded the other week, where it's one of those like it's yeah. given, so it's really you know, if mm-hmm. oh, yeah. it probably can't get overturned. Like it's, mm-hmm. it felt like that sort of it was so minor. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was even yeah. more I thought it was more. I thought it was more maybe, contact with maybe. Gabriel. Yeah, today's one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's one of those where you think you tell you think the referee is like, are you sure that's a penalty? And I don't think you can say for certainty that is a penalty, just like Gabriel was wasn't. So, like, yeah, I'm, like the VAR nonsense afterwards, like it just gets sillier and sillier every week. But I'm not that aggrieved with that by it because I, I thought it was a very soft penalty. But you know, you get these things every in games, right? And you just like these are the things that make a difference between the wins and the draws and the draws and the defeats. And I just feel like we're getting done by these stupid offside decisions every every other week. I can't That's stand fair, the inconsistency. Ultimately though, ultimately, though, there was a right decision was made, although there's two wrongs yeah. to make that right decision. Yeah, but that's that's what Nero. That, that like that's what I was saying last week, which I was kind of basically saying. I wish referees took a holistic decision, mm. and they looked at it and 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 like you say, like I think in this situation, you could argue there's enough doubt. In the you know the offside and this foul, maybe overall it's the right decision for the referee to not to give it. I I, I quite like the idea that they could look at that. But last week they didn't do that. You know, exactly. <laughs> do you remember we got the opposite? That's if that's consistency. They should do it now. And exactly because hmm. um, that wasn't that's not that was not an obvious offside today at all. My goodness, yeah. like that is a terrible decision. Like there was nothing to the they it, that they didn't flag for offside. Like that's. The, what the elbow like I, it's p- potentially like an elbow may have been offside <laughs> like that's ridiculous yeah. like so overall holistically i i think yes maybe the right decision like but it's inconsistency because that should have happened last week and we didn't get it last week so i can kind of understand why arteta in his post match is there going <laughs> like like what do you want me to do about like it like you know i guess it, he said words to the effect of well, you, you know, anyone like yeah. 
you, you, you know, it's like a fortune teller. I think he was, try, what he was trying to say. It's like, <laughs> was, you know, almost like, the word it's used? just completely, wow. he uses astro, astrophysicist or something like this. Mate, he's been hanging just, out with the Vinay too much, mate, when he's talking about that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he was just trying to say this is just random. Like, just, this is not scientific. I, I wasn't happy with that. I wasn't, I thought I'd tell, uh, he was trying to focus on the wrong things here. Like, he's mm. saying that we were much better than Everton. We weren't much better than Everton at all. Like we didn't. I think he didn't mention that we didn't create enough chances, which is fair. But then he was blaming VAR decisions. But in my opinion, there was no wrong VAR decision. It was the right decision made. We lost because we didn't create enough and we made a mistake. That's mm. the fact. And that's what he should have come out and said rather than trying to distract, distract it and say I, VAR, VAR, VAR and astrophysics or whatever it was. I think Arteta... Like I don't felt... give too much attention to what I don't pay too much attention to what Arteta says publicly. I think he comes out and a bit like what Pep does, he just he's never going to slag his players off publicly. So, I think but he's, he he does say that he's disappointed with them and stuff. He has said that before. He'll say he was disappointed, but he's never really like said, "Okay, we as a team aren't playing good enough." I am willing to like if he is, if he genuinely is leaving him <coughs> today thinking we played well, yeah, then. There's a so big, big problem. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, and I'm willing to give him the doubt, benefit of the doubt that he. I think he knows we aren't playing well. We aren't creating chances. We aren't moving the ball around quickly enough. But publicly, he'll 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 say what he needs to say, have a an uncontroversial interview, and then deal with it in the dressing room. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 like I don't no, I disagree to the point where like I don't think that I can understand why he's annoyed because I don't think like the decision was given for offside. That's that's how it was ruled out. It was ruled out for offside. Mm. And I think that was a joke. Like I don't think it yeah. But so, so was the initial decision. I, I know, mate, but it, in the end it was ruled out for offside. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I guess he's probably saying like, well, is that not clutching this is at just... straws though? Like massively clutching at straws if he's... Yeah, if he's saying that's the reason why... If it was a, game, if it was a, if it was a obvious thing, penalty but... and then, like, if it was an obvious penalty, obvious foul and then reversed because of the offside, then I would have been like pissed off and aggrieved. I think, I think, the I think po- ultimately it was the softest decision for a penalty. It was not a penalty. I mean, I think the point point is what you said, Nero, is that, you know, if he's saying after the game that we would say we deserve to win or something like that, you know, words to that effect, like, like you said, we, mm. we didn't. We didn't at all. We, yeah. It wasn't a good performance. No. We weren't that bad defensively. Like, Everton are a good team. They're above us in the league and all, all the rest of it. But again, it was just, mm. you know, what, what do you say about a performance like that? It's just, it's just a bang average. It's just. Drab. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. <sighs> Um, yeah, I mean, we could probably complain about this for a while until the next game, but we probably should move on. I mean, um, yeah, uh, obviously there was um, the protest uh, prior to the game. Um, I wasn't able to go. I don't think any of us were able to go, unfortunately. Um, but we there's obviously a lot of coverage on it, and um, it was a really impressive turnout, wasn't it? Um, yeah. A few, probably a few thousand, and... I mean, I don't know, with, with these sort of, I mean, I com- I'm completely behind it. I don't know about you guys, I'm completely behind, you know, a protest like this. <laughs> what difference, I was going to say, what difference do you think it makes? I guess what I, mean, what I mean by that question is, do you think the Cronkase see the images, the videos, the social media kind of impact of this and it changes their view, perception, their kind of thought process in terms of their plan for what they want to do with the club? pushes them towards, oh, yeah, maybe we should look to sell? Or do you think they're just like, it's it makes absolutely no difference to them? I don't think, I, I genuinely don't think Kroenke would see the protest. I think that guy is genuinely, like, clueless. He'll let Josh deal with everything. I think the, the actual real impact of the protest, what it could do is make sure that the board, the guys like Vinay and, what's his name, Tim, whatever his name is, the other guy, yeah. the lawyer, um, and other folk put a lot of pressure up the chain because they know that they know that Stan's not going to sell, and they know that if Stan's staying put, guys like Vinay, Edu, are the ones that are really going to probably going to lose their jobs first. So they need to, you know, send a rocket up to the board to say, "Look, what you guys are doing is unacceptable." 
um, the way you guys are managing and running this club is unacceptable. Um, they probably won't use those words, I guess. <laughs> yeah, unacceptable, but it needs it needs more. And he'll and like if I was Vinay, I, I would say, look, if you don't do this this season, if you know there's a marginal call and we need 10 million, 20 million extra quid to buy this player that's going to really change our season, you've got to do it because if you don't, these scenes are just going to get worse and worse. And you know, I'm actually thinking right. The best thing now for the club personally is actually for Kroenke to stay put because we have an owner under pressure, I hope, who um, mm. who kind of knows that he has to pull it out of the bag. And we had the fans for him and, you know, Josh took a bit of a beating. You know, if, if these guys sell up and we get another rich billionaire come in, he's not going to care about that. He's just going to do what he wants again. And we're going back to square zero and it could be worse. It could be better. But I think actually... The chances of us finding a better owner, yeah. if we're going with this billionaire, are actually quite low. Unless, and um, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about fan ownership and fifty-one percent, and not going to happen. Be, yeah. yeah, it'd be cool. I don't know how it's going to happen unless it has to be a, a huge change in English football, like the biggest change in English football in our lives. Mm. Like, I, I wonder if we're far better off pushing the Cronkies to change than risking getting someone potentially even worse. Agree. Agree. Yeah. We, we, there's one thing being annoyed at the Cronkies, and I think we – something – things with protests, they don't always necessarily have to um, affect complete drastic change. It's not always the thing that has to happen. I think fans protesting in this way, it, it, it shows dissatisfaction and it shows intent and it shows, you know, it, it shows an opinion and it, it, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that the result of that is such a, all right, well, I, I know people are saying hashtag Kronky out. For me, the subtext around that is we're unhappy. It's not good enough. It's not right. And like your point, Aaron, like I think the problem is, is that, it's not a straightforward Kronky out and who comes in. It's not that straightforward. Mm. You know, when we think about all the people who've been linked with buying Arsenal in the past, there's the Nigerian guy, Dangote, who has been linked for years. He's, he's, he's publicly come out and said, Oh, I want to buy Arsenal. I want to buy Arsenal. I don't know anything about this guy. Any Nigerian I've speak, I've spoken to anyone who I, I've spoken to who knows about Nigeria is like, you don't want this guy owning your club. Yeah. He's not, he's not done well. He's not, someone who really cares about his businesses like he is not someone who does what's right you know anyway my point is it's very easy for us to go oh oh someone wants to buy a club yeah yeah they're going to be better you know mm. <laughs> right even today but the whole what about what about, yeah. begging what about the saudi to take over yeah it's that's, that's disaster yeah, but what about what about usmanov before though obviously it was between usmanov and kronke and usmanov again we wouldn't know anything about him but someone like david dean who is you know, Arsenal culture, someone that we could sort of trust. If he sold his shares and he's backing someone like Usmanov, surely that would have meant that he had the club's best interest at heart and he would have taken them, taken them the right direction. Because David Dean was against David Kronky. Dean sold. You think David Dean sold to Usmanov because he felt Usmanov was the right guy to take this club forward? Or do you think it was something in, it was in, financial... No, but it was, I think, I think part of the agreement was he sells his shares. He takes ownership of his red and whatever red holdings. Red I think and white holdings. Red, red and white, white holdings. holdings. And then when Usmanov takes over, then Dean will be back in as okay uh, chief exec or whatever position. So does Usmanov still own? Is he still involved in Everton? Oh, he was, but then yeah, I think he's yeah gone. No, yeah, I can't remember. I thought I thought he was as well. There's another guy at Everton. Is it? What's his name? Um, Mashiri. Yeah. Mashiri. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, sorry, back to your original question, Myers. Like, I think some like because he, he lives in America, he's he can distract himself from all this like protest, he doesn't need to get involved, it's not going to affect him. Like, someone like you know, like Levy, who lives in London, might it might impact his day to day a bit more if Spurs were to do the same protest. Time living other side of the world, and again, like these guys are you know, he's a billionaire. Like he wouldn't have got to that position without facing this kind of adversity throughout his you know business career. He would have I'm sure he'd have felt he would have had bigger challenges. So for him, mm. he's probably thinking, "Let me ride it out." Um, I mean, but this, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you can't. Yeah, you can't. Obviously, before you just said, you know, how much power do supporters and fans have? But at least 
the positive we could what we have shown as collective fans over the last week is that we do have a say in say in the sport. I think that's what we have to aim for, right? Is we push Cronky to sort out governance at this club that he either puts more competent people in charge of making the football decisions so that the next time there's a Super League discussion, someone at the club has like the balls to say, no, don't do this, it's rubbish. Or you put in a governance structure where there's fan representation of some sort, or at least competent representation. I've seen talk about putting Arsene Wenger on like a like a consultative type representative on the board where you can just say, like, I'm 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 the fuck cronky. I'm the finance guy. I provide the numbers. I provide the backing, but I have zero input in any footballing decision at this club. And I hand those over to trusted people who are competent. But do you think, in terms of this Super League, this is something he would have spoken to with the other owners, and something he had in mind before he joined the club? As in, that would have been his sort of vision, exit strategy. I that's I, way I, I, don't, after, I don't think he's smart. He bought, I think. I think some American advisors probably told him this. To get the franchise system. We've got the franchise system works yeah. in America. You're a billionaire from that. Take it to the premiership in England and or Europe and do the same thing. So that was probably, he saw dollar signs when he took over Arsenal. That was probably his long-term plan for us. Every time, every time I've heard him speak, I think I've honestly thought he sounds like an absolute moron. Like, he <clears> does not seem like an intelligent, intelligent guy. He's just a guy who wants to make money. And has an interest in sports. And that's it. Well, we should. I think we should talk about this in much more extensiveness in in, in isolation because it's such a it's it's such a deep point around our ownership. You know, our current ownership, what future ownership could look like. Um, you know, uh, it's so complex. And I think what's clear is right now, whatever it is, it doesn't work for everyone. Hmm. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely agree with you, Raj. Just, um, there's a lot to talk about there, isn't there? So definitely worthy of a separate chat, hopefully. Um, I guess in the meantime, um, you know, our season-defining kind of period or a couple of games is now um, coming up. Villarreal in, what, six days? Um, so we will be bringing you guys a preview of that. Um closer to the game so until then as always thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time cheers guys cheers bye Bye.